This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytical podcast here of the Blood Red channel. I'm joined again by David Hughes. How are you doing, mate? I'm okay, thanks, Josh. Um, Getting yeah. a bit of height there with the wig. Yeah, I was just laughing, <laughs> wasn't I, saying it's very um, World Cup France 98. Um, but I don't want to keep wearing wearing caps every week, so slip it back and, uh, and you know, reinvent a new style for myself on the show. Yeah, I think I'll end up with a, an afro or something a few weeks so apologies if you're watching <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, we're not the best to look at at the minute but if you're listening then uh thank you because just you know sticking with us despite the fact that there's no football uh we said that last week you know it must be the diehard fans who are still yet mm. um but uh we're going down a, a little bit of a different route this week Um we obviously went through the series of of liverpool's alternative 11 and an alternative version of clock this week we needed something a little bit different so we um got recommended this idea by our producer. So if you don't like the show at the end of the show, it's guy.clark at hplc.com. Uh, any complaints sent his way. So what we're going to do is we're going to look into players that Liverpool have been linked with since Klopp, um, but for whatever reason we didn't sign. Um, and we're going to just look at, you know, um, how would Liverpool have looked if these players had signed um, would we have been better off? Have they improved since? And how were the alternatives that we came up with at the time? Uh, obviously, Liverpool are in a very healthy state at the minute. That that can't be denied. But um, you know, it's I think it's a bit a little bit curious to actually look at these players and just think what Liverpool would look like if if, for example, we'd have signed uh, Nabil Fakir or something like that at, at, at the time or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll get right into it. See how we go. I, I expect it to be a short podcast, but we've said that in the past, and we end up going off on a tangent and getting to the hour mark. So yeah, we'll see how we go. But we'll start off with the the first proper link that Klopp that we had under Klopp, and we actually made a bid. Um, Alex Tijere or Tixere, if you however you want to say. It. Um, apparently we, the, the the club he was playing for at the time. Shakhtar Donetsk wants 35 million uh, and Klopp pulled the plug himself because it was too much and that was in Klopp's January Klopp's first January so that would have been about, uh, about three or four months after he got the job at Liverpool um, so it would have been his first signing but we ended up opting against him um, any thoughts David Saul about uh, you know, whether, whether the link was surprising or what you think of the player or whatever well, I mean, the way I've the way I've kind of looked at it is, um, in terms of certainly from a data point of view, there was around two thousand five hundred minutes in um, in Ukraine, which would have been, you know, before he eventually moved to China in that January window, just to kind of get a feel for the player he was at the time. Um, and look, he look, he was he was a really good player. He's, he's, I think he scored. Did you have a look at his goals? Yeah, I did watch his goals. His number of goals. <clears throat> oh yeah, it was twenty six and half a season. Yeah, madness. Like, yeah, something like it worked out about 0.93 in terms of goals per ninety, which is ludicrous because he. We should probably point out he wasn't a striker, was he? <clears throat> well, technically, no. No. Um, um, from what I saw, he, he plays on the left, and he's um, one thing I did pick up on that I really liked. And this probably influences why Liverpool were, were interested. I suppose is that he's, he's two footed. He mm. go with both feet, uh, which I'm a, and and the man we ended up getting instead of him, which we will get to Sadio Mane, is also I would say relatively two footed and yeah. can play on both sides. So you know maybe that came into it. But yeah, in terms of his goals, what what I saw in in the Ukraine top flight, uh, he scored twenty two goals and three assists. In fifteen appearances, yeah, that's crazy. So that, that, that's absolutely mental. There was a few penalties in there, maybe five or so, but uh, that was a goal or an assist every fifty-four minutes. 
Yeah, with, from a total of about 2,000 minutes or something. And obviously, you know, the caveat is the standard in that division is a lot less than what, than say, say a league like the Premier League, but that they're still really, really high numbers, certainly enough to spark interest. Um, I did notice he was, I mean, I, I opened it up to all competitions um, for Shakhtar that season, so that's why... Um, I've got the 26 goals and stuff, but you, I, I did notice he was taking nearly three shots per 90, which is uh, which is quite high, really, isn't it, for an attacker midfielder? Um, but he was a really good tech. Come on. I was going to say, did you look at where exactly he was playing for Shakhtar that season? Yeah, well, this is what I was just about to say to you then. Um, I, I could be off here, but I had a look, and I'm pretty sure he seemed to be playing quite often is the number 10 in a um like a 4-2-3-1 now admittedly i didn't go granularly into the season so i could be a little bit off with that but from what i've seen he was playing like that attack and midfield role and it did have me thinking would have maybe he would have come in could have i'm interested for your opinion on this could he have maybe been used as the 10 and he might have pushed coutinho out onto the left because who was liverpool's big um, like left side of play at the time was it like someone like Jordan Ive coming through or what was it I can't really remember <clears throat> no it, it was Coutinho I think yeah. oh so there, yeah so if you were playing a 4-2-3-1 maybe he would have come in as the 10 um, and Coutinho would have obviously been playing out on the left and you know there's a there's a lot of goals in in that kind of in that duo alone really isn't it uh, if, if, if he would have come in Obviously, he's a really good technical player, and I noticed he was really, really fast. I don't know if you had a chance to check because we didn't have much time, did we? So I don't know if you saw any of the clips. I only looked at a few, but it, his pace was ridiculous. Um, yeah, you know, getting in between the for, line. Yeah, I think for me, I I picked up more on his. I think it's acceleration. Yeah, uh, so acceleration. His ability to reach his top speed very quickly. That was mm-hmm. what I liked about him. Um, I do think he's used the mold and, and stuff like that, but. Looking at exactly how he would have impacted Liverpool's tactical makeup, um, I would have been interested to see exactly what the plan was there in terms of whether Klopp did want to go down the four-two-three-one route, mm. or because Coutinho, as I said, was playing on the left, he was showing no signs at that time that Barcelona were going to come for him. Mm. He was interested in using Firmino as the as the team's number nine. Um, so yeah, it just interests me how how the tactical makeup will have shifted if we'd have signed him. Um, but it, it, I suppose interestingly, we would have had a, an entire front three of Brazilians. Oh, yeah, that's oh, about that. That is interesting. Good players yeah. as well. I um, yeah. my theory is, and we'll probably kind of uh, evolve to it as we go through the list. Is I think four two three one was definitely the um, the idea. In these and in, in Klopp's initial stages, I think you start seeing that uh, interest in the four-three-three a little bit later on with some of the um, some of the players he was interested in. But I think certainly at this stage, it was a four-two-three-one he had in mind, and obviously he did play that in his early days, didn't he, at Liverpool Klopp? Yeah, he played a few times. Um, obviously, he used it at Dortmund, and I have got some thoughts on that that I don't I don't really want to get into just yet. I think I want to go down the route of exploring some other players first before I start saying, you know, my definitive takes, if you like. But yeah. um, I think I think Tajiri was just kind of targeted as an attacker with, with with output, basically an attacker who can actually deliver regardless of where he's playing. And I, I don't think at that time Klopp had much of a focus on maybe where does he play. I think it was just a case of get, getting goals in, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, in the season before, the one that we just looked at, he scored uh, 17 and three assists, and that was in 22 uh, top-flight matches in, in Ukraine. So clearly a goal scorer, mm. uh, despite not being a centre-forward or a striker or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was going to say, sorry, just, just on the um, games played, how, may, how big is the Ukrainian league? Is it... I'm just trying to work out whether because that's kind point, of a, yeah. is that a a full campaign or what, was he susceptible to injury? Let me just have a look now. Yeah, it's worth checking that. Yeah, um, but well, I don't, I, I, 
it, I don't know, it was, it was looking like he was he was accumulating around 2,000 minutes and that's a short season, that if so. I mean, it, say for example, the Scottish League, they I think they go three rounds, don't they? Yeah, they they go three three rounds of matches just to get them to get the number of games up basically. So, mm. sixteen there is in the in the in that division. So, right. um, yeah, it looks to be anyway. I'm, I'm looking at the right thing, you know. But yeah, and, and I'm just wondering if there was any fitness issues. That's all, because uh, obviously that's a kind of interesting thing to to keep keep an eye out for. But um, yeah, yeah, going down a bit of rabbit hole there. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose, I suppose the only thing with them that that suggests to me that we maybe dodged a bit of a bullet is that shortly after he moved to China, um, and that's that's for me at least. I understand it, but it's not that good of a sign for me uh, because it suggests that the player, and I know that we all are to an extent, but it suggests that the player is motivated by money rather than motivated by the the prospect of improving himself and reaching his absolute maximum level of output. Yeah, uh, I, I think anyone that moves to China is aware that they are not going to improve and they're not going to, you know, reach their top standard, reach their ceiling, but they're going to get paid an awful lot, which, you know, as I said, is fine. But from a competitive perspective, looking at Liverpool, me, I'm not sure you want that that type of character. No, I, yeah, totally agree. You, 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 you kind of um, prioritising the money that you learn from the game rather than potentially the success. Um, and there, there does seem to be a certain mould of player that does that move to China. See, the players who are over the hill, or if, if it's players in, in the peak, then it's it's usually money. I'm thinking of like um, Hulk, um, yeah. Oscar, who left. Obviously, he was a really good player at Chelsea. Could have played for top European side. He went and follow the money I, it, I think it does kind of reflect on a certain uh, personality trait shall we say yeah. um, it's yeah. another two Brazilians there actually yeah I was thinking as I said it um, it is interesting you know it's I don't know I suppose it's, I suppose it's the, uh, the stylistic makeup of a Brazilian type of player they're usually quite you know quite uh, creative aren't they full of flair and stuff like that yeah, good point to them. So that that's kind of going to be quite appealing in terms of getting them into getting them into that league, especially when you're trying to grow it and make it more exciting and things. Um, yeah, but you know, Liverpool's work ethic. I don't think you kind of have a player like that in there. Yeah. Uh, so Klopp said no to a thirty-five million pound deal. Uh, correct move or? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, uh, it, you know, a lot really rides on that point that we made just at the end there. I think that's a really uh, prominent thing in this in this discussion. Uh, and yeah, he's Nick Liverpool have gone on to do, go down a little bit of a different direction, recruit a different kind of player, and it's worked out for them. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so we moved towards the summer. So Klopp's first summer window, obviously, was going to be a big one. Players that were unsuited to his style of play but want to get um, pushed out basically players that were suited to executing his game were going to be brought in one player that was obviously suited to executing his game because he'd already done it was Mario Götze or Goethe or however you want to say that one um, he was a big link after we kind of went cold on Tijira. Um I think at the time he was at Bayern Munich but he weren't really weren't really getting a look in it, it, the mood hadn't transpired how each party had expected mm. um, but he kind of he, he, he wasn't as attracted to the move as I thought he was what would be um, considering this Liverpool it's it's clock the manager who kind of integrated him into men's football if you like yeah, um, yeah. He, he seemed weirdly fixated on Champions League football <clears throat> um, mm. which we couldn't offer him at the time but I thought it was quite a, a simplistic mindset to be, you know, I can't I, I can't come to your club because you haven't got Champions League football because the idea is we're signing you to achieve that. Um, yeah, yeah. But we didn't end up signing and we ended up dedicating what it would have cost us to secure Tajira about 35 million. We usually we dedicated about that to Sadio Manic mm. uh, rather than Gotcha and rather than Tajira. But I think it's interesting that with, with those two players, they, for me, they both push you down the the four two three one route. <clears throat> yeah, 
Whereas yeah. Mane does. Mm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I um I think he's you know, he's a fantastic player, really talented, versatile. Um you know, he probably would be again similar to um Texera that we just talked about there. He'd probably be playing like a number ten type, maybe again. Coutinho will be playing out yeah. wide, but he he is just a you know, a fa- he he well, he was a fantastic talent and you you're right, there was issues at Bayern Munich where he just wasn't playing there. I think at the time, ironically, it was Ancelotti that was in charge. Um and it it, it just didn't seem like it was gonna work. They actually brought in um it was the Portuguese midfielder um, that was at Swansea on loan, Ren. Oh, you know, yes, Renato Sanchez. Um, yeah, they brought him in as well. I think the idea at that time as well was maybe he was going to be kind of ahead of him in the pecking order. Um, but yeah, really good player. I agree, and I, I do think it was strange that there wasn't more appeal on his part of work with Klopp, especially because Klopp really valued him. You know, he would have been arguably the first name on the on the team sheet, and he played his best football on the clock. He, you know, he he knows how to. He would have adjusted to his style again really easily. But you don't know. You don't know what people are saying in in his ear. You know, I don't know much about his agents and things. But you know, if they're saying you've got to be playing Champions League football, you should be playing Champions League football. You've already had one, you know, highly controversial move that hasn't worked out. Are you really going to then uproot and move over to England with with so much pressure on you when you can go back to the safety of Dortmund really and kind of you know reestablish yourself there? And I just think these maybe off the pitch um, issues maybe stop that move happening. I don't know. Yeah, yes. one of me one of me last points here. I've got to. I'll skip to now because you just mentioned there about off the field stuff. Um, he suffered. 18 separate injuries since moving to Borussia Dortmund. He actually ended up going back to in 2016 for around 20 million. But 18 separate injuries um, compared to Mane, who we got instead, who suffered six uh, and seems to be fit every single week in the in, yeah. in the current game at least. So uh, yeah, I think I think that that massively comes into it and. If you look at Liverpool's success at the minute, I think it, I think it does stem from the fact that all of the top performers, all of the the key figures, they never seem to suffer injury ever. Mm. Uh, and I, I'm I, I'm quite glad we dodged we dodged this player to be honest, because he he didn't get anywhere near to the level in his career that I thought he was going to reach. I'm not I'm not even sure how old he is now. He might still be in his twenties. I think he is actually twenty eight maybe or something like that. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. I'm pretty sure he's twenty seven. So yeah, twenty. He's basically in his prime years now, but he doesn't really feel like he's ever hit his prime. And if anything, there's an argument to say he's he's already at the top of the curve and probably he's going to start rapidly. Um, you know, re- re- yeah, regressing really. Um, to the point where he may become a bit of a spare part at Dortmund, even when he when he is fit. I, I must say, I actually haven't kept an eye on how much he, he's been playing um, this season, or and I haven't even looked. I, I, of course, I don't know if you watched this, Josh. If if anyone's listening as well, it was a good watch. Uh, even though I haven't finished it, I watched the uh, Dortmund documentary on on Prime, um, Amazon Prime. It's in German, but they, they've got subtitles on there, and it's uh, it's really good. And I spotted them on there, and I must say, I was like. No, I forgot he even played for these because you never hear about him, do you? You never hear about him, you know, making any great well, that's, waves. That's, great waves that's in what I was going to say then. When you, when you mentioned there that like I haven't really kept track of him, usually the players that are doing really well, you don't consciously have to keep track of because they're just mm. kind of like forced into uh, awareness themselves because of how well they're doing. So the fact that he's kind of drifted off the radar and hasn't really came back on it just captures how, um, I don't know, how he... he I suppose there's another player similar to Tajira who just hasn't got close to a ceiling for me. I thought he would I thought he was gonna go down the route of a bit of a whale Peter, to be honest. And I yeah. thought I remember saying when I was when I didn't have as much football knowledge as I do now. And I'm just saying that uh, when Guardiola took over there, I had the feeling that Guardiola would go down the route of ten and got it into his into his false nine. Yeah. And then yeah. he'd do other things and, and stuff like that. I thought he'd he like got it in the way that he liked Lionel Messi, really. You know, mm, seeing yeah. such potential in a in a kid at the club, but it just didn't really work out that way. 
Well, funny enough, just as, as you've been talking then, um, our producer, Gars, just flagged that he's actually leaving Dortmund on a free transfer this, this summer, uh, and he's turning 28 this summer. Uh, so that, that says a lot, really. You know, they're... If you if you think about Liverpool's front three, they're kind of in and around that age now, and you know you, there's no calls to be letting any of them go on a on a free transfer, is there? Um, I think that kind of tells its own story. Yeah, well, I think that's why it feels like a dollar, a, a bullet dodged because mm-hmm. um, in the same summer you've got Gotsu there, you've got Sadio Mane there, and then at the end of Gotsu's deal, his club will let him go for free, and. Mane has already signed a new deal and he's like considered amongst the top European forwards, uh, top four forwards in Europe. So it is one of them situations. I don't know if you got, I don't know if you got this vibe as well, looking through all these players that we're gonna get to. But I got quite the vibe of um it's it's if it's worked out as simple as this, where Liverpool have missed out on players and went down other routes, it almost looks like a weird perfect storm. Whereas <laughs> Liverpool's it's almost like you can't write it because it looks like loads of bullets have been dodged and it's resulted in Liverpool being forced into a... Um, I'm not sure how you'd put this. Do you see what I'm saying? Or? Yeah, no, yeah. I do. I, I, well, 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 I, it, the way I kind of felt looking at the list and then the plays that they did get was... Um, do you remember ages ago we spoke and it may have been on this show or another show about... Um, I think it was actually yourself who 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 kind of brought this up. Was the, the value of players who were really hungry and you know kind of got a point to prove and want to go that next level and stuff. Um, and it felt like a few of these players had kind of maybe had early peaks, were destined for big things. You know, it didn't. With the mm. moves didn't work out for whatever reason. And then Liverpool have ended up pursuing players who maybe haven't got the same sort of um, aura about them, but um, do have the potential to go on to that next level a little bit more hungry. And obviously, they've all come together in this current group and been a really successful side. I don't know if you've got the same sort of vibe. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, there's always the question mark as to why certain players don't make it at top clubs, and I think there's a bit of a worry usually, usually attached to that. Uh, obviously, Klopp thought that he'd be able to turn him around, but for whatever reason, Gotsu didn't want to didn't want to allow him to do that, and he went back to the club that he was initially successful at, which I suppose is a bit understandable, but it hasn't turned out particularly well for him. As I've said already, I'm glad we avoided him. Um, I do think we would have went down the forty-three-one route with him signed, um, and just to capture, I suppose his lacking impact. Since going there, uh, I think he's had three seasons there, three or four, I'm not sure. But he he hasn't played over one thousand seven hundred minutes in any of those league seasons. That's in the Bundesliga. That's not. Uh, no, just for perspective, Sadio Mane, for example, this season has already played two thousand and ninety, and that's you know without the season. That's that's the, with the season being about seventy five percent done, and since Mane came to Liverpool, his least amount of minutes is that currently two thousand, whereas mm. Gotts's most at um, Dortmund has been one thousand seven hundred. Um, I think there's a there's a saying that I've seen: uh, availability is the most underrated ability. I think I'd go along with that, yeah. uh, and I think I think Gotts seems like one of them who. Can't really establish himself for a consistent run in the side. Uh, in his first season, he registered five scoring contributions in the Bundesliga. In his second season, he registered 14. And in his third season, which is the current one now, I think, um, he's currently on three. So it's it's not really a move that's worked, is it? No, no, it's a, it's a move that potentially, it, it seems like it was a comfortable move that he decided to take, you know, the safe option, but that hasn't worked out either. Um, yeah, and it's, just going back to what we said earlier, I do agree, I think it's worked out a lot better for Liverpool that that one didn't happen. Yeah, I don't know about you, have you uh, just a little side question, have you, have you got any preference in terms of... Um, Wanting, wanting managers to work alongside players who who they haven't worked with before. Because obviously, 
got sort of came in with an with a relationship already established there sort of thing, and I suppose that they could be downsides to that. Could be positives as well. Yeah, um, it, it's hard. I think it would just depend on the manager and play. Obviously, you know, in in that situation, if we use that as an example, would Klopp be more inclined to, you know, if, if he's really out of form, would he be more inclined to stick with them because they have this existing good relationship? For longer periods than perhaps he would if it was someone who he didn't have that existing relationship on on that side of things it's a negative but then i also think you know players do tend to find an extra 10 to 20 percent in terms of ability when they're playing for the manager they they like and the and you know they have this relationship with um so i guess there's just pros and cons to it and I, I i don't suppose i've got a black and white answer for in terms of my preference i think it just have to depend on the on the personnel yeah I mean, say Ancelotti brought in a player from yeah. Napoli. I mean, yeah. not someone to the standard of Koulibaly, but I don't know, just a a midfielder from Napoli or something like that. Would you have any kind of any kind of concerns about whether this player is maybe less likely to be committed from the off because he's already because the manager already knows what he's about? He'll have no desire to prove himself almost. Um. You, you know, I suppose that would be something that crossed your mind. I, I'd probably be looking for the positive in the sense that you know, I'd be thinking he's, you know, the, the player's probably going to feel quite, I don't know, yeah. uh, ha- happy that he's been brought to the club and want to kind of continue that good relationship. I think a good example of the same was probably um, if we're, while we're on the subject of Evan, um, Charleston and Marco Silva. Obviously, um, yeah, that's Charles- a good one. Richardson played for Silver. Uh, had a really good relationship with him at Watford. Um, he he, want, he wanted to jo- join up with Silver uh, at Everton because I think other clubs would have been in for him, but obviously he's wanted to follow the manager and he kind of hit the ground running at Everton and has really kind of kept up that that performance levels now. Even though sadly Silver lost his lost his job. Yeah, I, I yeah, say I sadly. Um, but yeah, anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't want to keep talking about, I talk about Everton references, but I just think that's a, that's a, probably a relevant example when we're when we're talking about Klopp and Gotsenia. Yeah, I suppose that's that's a positive story because I don't think with Allison had any issues since Spurs ago, doesn't? Yeah, are you? Why are you in a position where you'd be a little bit concerned? Would you? In that no, situation? I don't think. With, I don't think with Klopp, not with Klopp, because I think that, I think a lot of this stems back to. The judgments of a of a manager really, and whether he thinks, you know, how he judges a player, whether he thinks a player is likely to be influenced by the fact that he's already familiar with who's, with who's in charge of him and, and stuff like that. So I think if you, I, I just think, say for example, in the past when him, I think Harry Redknapp's known for doing it, isn't he? Oh yeah. Um, Jermaine Defoe and players like this and Cranshaw. I think I think David David Moyes has got a bit of a tendency to do it as well, and I, I just think sometimes it can be a little bit lazy. Um, and it can be a little bit of a cop out to, to try and bring a, a player in who's worked on there, because it's, it's almost like, well, that play that's that's one less player I have to train almost, um, because they already know what I'm about, sort of thing. So, I suppose it depends. But with Klopp, I, I wouldn't be inclined to doubt him. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just one last point on Godset. I think it's again tactically a little bit of a strange move for me, considering we already had Firmino and Coutinho, both of whom. I'm particularly inclined to run in behind. So you'd have three players in your attack there. Bear in mind, Mane isn't yet at the club. You'd have three players in your attack there who are all a bit more inclined, I'd say, to come towards the ball rather than running away from it. So, again, I'm, it's, it's it's a weird one to put together in terms of what the plan was there. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. attack right now is like the quickest in Europe, isn't it? Yeah, who was, the, who was, who was kind of leading the line at that point? I think we had. I'm not exactly sure. You know, I think I think we had Firmino up front. Storage was in and out, um, suffering from injuries. We had Coutinho, and I think we played like a four-two-three-one with the Lallana in there or something like that. Mm, yeah. So you haven't really got that. Um, yeah, that person as you, but as you say, going in in behind and kind of willing to get on the end of those threaded balls and things. Because um, he, he was the first player. That I recall, that he was really, you know, a proper fast player. Um, beyond that, I think our quickest player was like probably Joe Gomez at the time. Mm. And we had yeah. 
quick fullbacks every now and then. I think Glenn Johnson was quite quick and stuff like that. But it, growing up, Liverpool never really had lightning quick players, and I always hated that. Yeah, because you want pace on the side, don't you? Which obviously yeah, you have yeah. an abundance of it now, especially um, especially when when you want to kind of hit sides in transition and stuff. But um, yeah, I think we can agree that that probably was for the best that that one didn't work out. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. So uh, we'll move on anyway to the left back slot, um, Ben Chilwell. So a player that we tried to poach from Leicester, um, I had way ahead of the curve really before he was even promoted to Leicester's first team, and um, before he was playing minutes and before he was a recognised figure. He's now obviously an England international. Um, they rejected what was apparently a seven million pound bid, and this was before he'd made a senior appearance. I think for Leicester, so it was a fairly fairly high bid, um, and. Sadly, the player didn't force the move. There was no real, you know, unsettling happening, so he ended up leaving it. I think he ended up signing a new deal, and obviously we ended up going down the route of Andy Robertson. Mm-hmm. Uh, no regrets there, but <laughs> in terms of Chilwell, as I said, really ahead of the curve, picking up on him as a talent. Yeah, so that's yeah, so scouting that, and especially with that that player, I don't know how much of a you've got you know, you could brand that a data sign and well I'm just gonna say that, yeah. Yeah, because it's the the data at um you know youth level, uh, you know, anything below first team really, to my understanding, isn't it nowhere near as detailed as what as what you'd expect it to be. Um obviously I'm involved in collecting some of it and I know it isn't. Um so that to me sounds like just really, really good scouting. Um somebody needs a, a pat on the back for kind of Picking him out, um, yeah. Uh, so I'm just I, I always get distracted. Our producer is always. I didn't. I did not know this fact that he just said. Yeah, uh, I did not know that. When I say piping up, but uh, Chilwell went on loan to Huddersfield under Wagner, who's obviously got a really good relationship with Klopp. Now that actually fills in a uh, a void on, uh, as to how this connection works because if he's if he's really impressed at Huddersfield. He's probably said to Klopp, you know, this this lad's really good. I imagine Klopp values uh, Dave Wagner's opinion. Um, so that, I'd, with I imagine some really good scouting, that's probably how they've identified just just how good the other player is going to be. And he is a really good player, by the way. Yeah, well, Klopp's like that. Klopp's the, like, you know, he's, he's inclined to listen to those around him, especially those that he trusts. I yeah. think his actual first signing at the club, uh, Marco Grujic, I think that was a a recommendation of of Buvac, who's obviously oh, now wow. left. Um, but it it shows that you know if 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 a player's been identified for less than ten million, let's say, Grujic was signed for five, seven million being offered for Ben Chilwell. Obviously, Klopp trusts those around to take a, a fairly cheap chance on those players. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do remember reading at the time when we were bidding for him that he was apparently a bit of a leader a real character and stuff like that, which I suppose you would get from first-hand knowledge from the likes of David Wagner, who's, who's working with him every day. Um, but for oh, me, oh, yeah. But for, for me, if you if you remove Andy Robertson from the picture, I, I think this would have been a brilliant sign for Liverpool. I think Ben Shewell would have been great. Um, homegrown player, English, would have been cheap. Obviously very, very mobile. Got plenty of attacking traits and good delivery, and he's, he's young as well. So it, it would have been a brilliant sign for me if we'd have pulled that one off. But obviously, Leicester were a little bit too too sharp to let him go. Yeah, the, um, and and this is this is a massive compliment. He reminds me so much of Leighton Baines, like a younger version of Leighton Baines. Yeah, yeah. Me, you know, I think Baines has been. People talk about Cole, obviously, but for me, Baines has been up there is probably one of the best left backs in the Premier League era. And um, Chilwell just has so many of the same qualities. You know, he's really athletic. I'm just going to say, you know what, saying that, he, he uses the ball a lot like him as well, doesn't he? Just yeah. His, his behaviour is touched the way, the way he passes the stance. That's it. That's, that was just about to say all this, like the, the way he drills the ball in. You've just said it there, the stance. No, he's even got the same dark hair. He just, he looks like <laughs> so much. He, he plays like him. Um, yeah, he, he does. Just, 
it, they're just so similar, and I think he is the kind of reincarnation of what Baines was. Um, and I think he would have been a bit more mobile. Yeah, potentially, yeah. Um, but that that's something that kind of plays into his hands in terms of thinking about his qualities from a Liverpool point of view. You know, he's he's got tons of pace. He is mobile. Um, it helps him recover. You know, if he's caught high up the pitch and possessions lost and transitions and things, he seems to recover really well, which is something that I always think stands out with him. Um, I just think he would have been, as you said, a really good sign. And I know Robertson's worked out brilliantly, but if we're just focusing on him for the minute, I think he would have suited Liverpool to a T. Yeah, I think he's probably a bit more mobile, but his delivery is probably a little bit worse than Baines. Um, but other than that, I think, you know, certainly very comparable players. I've never really thought about that one. Mm. Um, one thing that does show up in the in the numbers regarding Chilwell, maybe not back then, because considering he was mainly a youth player at the time, but um, I know he's, he's really big on what what are labelled as progressive carries, progressive runs. He's, he's inclined to it's quite dynamic on the ball. Um, if, if the space is ahead of me, simply he will just drive into it, really. Uh, carry the ball up the field. So he's kind of good if, if, if he's like, if he's used as a, a vehicle of getting up the field almost. Um, if you can generate space for him and that sort of thing. So considering how much Liverpool rely on their fullbacks to progress the ball, again, I think he would have been very suited. Maybe less on the passing side as Trent does, but more on the carrying side, which which we see every week from Robertson. I, th- I think one thing, sorry, two things Robertson has over Chilwell. I think Robertson's a bit more aggressive, a um, bit more spirited and that sort of thing. Um, and Robertson's never injured as well. Never, ever injured. And I think Chilwell's had a few knocks this season. Only just like little niggles and stuff like that, but I think he's missed a few games. Uh, being rested and things like that. Could be due to his age. I'm not sure how old he is now. 22 maybe or something like that. Yeah, I think he's trained 23 recently. Uh, okay. So I don't, I, 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 niggling injuries do concern me though. You know, like oh, it concern me as well. Yeah, if it's a, if it's a big knock, you know, like a, something horrific. Obviously, you'd never wish this on anyone. But if it's like a, you know, a leg break or just a really a bad injury, you can kind of accept it. But when it's niggles that are keeping you out, it, it is alarm bells, isn't it? Because you're a little bit like, you know, how much, how bad are you? How injured are you? Or is this a bit of a psychological thing? No, I was just gonna. I was just going to say that I think I think little niggles like that I think are more likely to be related to the player's mentality than than actually a physical injury that's that's preventing them from playing. Like the Daniel Sturridge effect, almost. Yeah, compare Sturridge with Suarez, for yeah. example. Mm. Suarez was the type to get kicked every single week. He never missed a training session. Yeah, um, and that's just because he's absolutely driven. And if you look at the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, absolute lunatic in terms of how driven he is. <laughs> um, there's no way he's gone this long without suffering injuries. Yeah. It, there's no way he's just that lucky. It's it's obviously his mentality has to come into it to to a certain degree. Yeah, his body. There's a good chance probably someone like Ronaldo, although he really looks after himself. His body's probably in bits, and he's probably playing with injuries every single week. But as you said, just did that that hunger's there so much to play that it'd have to be something that was. That you physically couldn't run with to keep them out of the side. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I don't really recall Robertson missing out through an injury. I think he missed a game before the Atletico Madrid fixture a few weeks ago. Yeah, he did. I think yeah. that I think that was precautionary. Uh, I don't think it was. You know, I think if if the Atletico Madrid game wasn't scheduled, I think he'd have played because it's not a big deal. Yeah, well, they've yeah. had the luxury, haven't they? As the seasons progressed, they've been a little bit more lax in terms of having to play play players. You know, if it was if it was last season, for example, you he would have played. You no, know, you go neck and neck with City, but Liverpool have had the kind of top spot tied up now for the you know for a long time, and it has meant that he could be a little bit more flexible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to ask you whether seven million for Chilwell was was a good offer because. I think that would that would have been an absolute steal. What, what um, would you what would you value him at now? Like if, sure. if yeah, just if you're the Premier League club of like a top four club, not Liverpool as such, because forget any other players kind of influencing decisions. Just what would you say is a fair price to pay for him now, or what you go up to 
Um, I think what a fair price would be for him, I wouldn't go up to. <laughs> um, I'd say I'd, I'd, I couldn't really look beyond the 50 million mark mm. simply because that was what Mendy cost. That was what Kyle Walker cost. It seems to be kind of the going right now for a top quality fullback, especially considering he's young, English and homegrown as well. Uh, but I wouldn't personally pay that much for him. I think he's worth probably about 30. Yeah. Also. I uh, I could there's no club who pay it now actually. I think the, the the landscape's changed with all the COVID nineteen stuff. So we we probably will never see this now. But I think if, if things were just progress as they are and say some one of the big big clubs would have made a move for them, I reckon they would have paid up to about sixty five, seventy, you know. Just because those those signings that you talk about there were obviously a few years ago now and as you've just hit the nail on the head with the uh, the homegrown status, I think that is massive. Um, and that you can get an extra 15, 20 mil, I think, sometimes just for that alone. Yeah. Uh, just an extra little question for you. I'll put you on the spot. Ah, nightmare. If we'd have signed Chilwell for 7 million and Robertson for 8 million, who's the bigger bargain there? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think. I don't really ask can you? Yeah, it's it's really tough because I think you know Robertson seems more established and um, he has the appeal of playing this Liverpool side. I think so. He, for me, he just about edges it, but I also really like him. So I think they'd be can can it be a cop out, Josh, and say equal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll answer for you. I, I I think for me, I'd 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 lean slightly towards Robertson simply because I think if they were both left backs at Liverpool. I think Robertson would be the most established player now, and that's yeah. again stems back to the fact that he's always available. Yeah. So, whereas once Robertson's come into this left back slot, Chilwell wouldn't have got a shot because Robertson's never had the side. Yeah, but we'll move on anyway to a group of midfielders now. Really, I think we're we're onto the midfield. Um, so we'll start with Julian Brandt. By the way, if, uh, I should address it really. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, if anyone has a, a slight barking in the background there, my uh, my dog's going for this uh, dog walk, uh, so he's just excited. So, yeah, it's the joys of working from home, sadly. So, apologies if that if that did bother anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't me. It wasn't Dave making that noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, Ju- Julian Brandt is the next player that we're going to move on to. So I believe I will say as well at this point now, my timeline and my head's a little bit jumbled. So if some of the players I mentioned now, in terms of the timeline thing, is is mixed up, then you know don't quote me exactly because I think we were linked with a fair few players in this period now. But I think Brandt was linked in the lead up to the summer that we actually ended up signing Salah. Pretty sure of that actually. Uh, Julian Brandt was looking to be the next attacker that we were going to add to to Firmino, Coutinho and Mane. Mm. Uh, but we didn't for whatever reason. It just when we got to actually, you know, close to the summer, the link just seemed to go cold. Um, I don't think Brandt was keen on moving. Um, I think he actually spoke out to Kicker and said, um, with the World Cup approaching the following summer, uh, and his age as well, he's still only 23 now, so a couple of years ago he would have been about 21. Mm. I just don't think he was ready to move at the time. Um, Liverpool obviously ended up getting, you know, Mohamed Salah, which you, you cannot complain about. But oh, oh. if if Brand comes in, uh, how do you expect him to to influence things? Yeah, so this is this is maybe which I alluded to earlier. This is maybe where I think we were seeing the transition of trying to go to that uh, the fourth three three that we now know is quite established. Um, but yeah, he'd be, he's really versatile, isn't he? He can he can play on both sides. Although I'm pretty sure he tended to favour going on the right. Um, but yeah, an ability to run at defenders. You know, he, he is two footed. Uh, I had a quick look at the season leading up to that summer that you just talked about there. He was averaging seven point five dribbles with a success rate of over fifty percent, which I, I think is fairly impressive. Um, the only the only thing is. I'm a little bit curious as to whether the resulting Salah signing was, you know, as a result of not getting him or 
I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to work out how that dynamic played out because Salah's scoring record at Fiorentina was so much better than his. Um, at it was, it was Leverkusen, wasn't it, that he was at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Salah was at Roma as well, by the way. After, after Fiorentina. Oh, sorry, my apologies. Um, yeah, we got mixed up there, but yeah, I, I checked and it was something like I think he scored. If I looked at the right season, about fifteen goals that season, Salah. Whereas he only scored three, um, and there was there was more. It seemed that he was contributing a little bit more with assists rather than goals. Whereas Salah was starting to illustrate that he was he was quite a goal getter. Um, I'm just curious to see what the dynamic was in the eyes of Klopp there. Whether he was going to be planning to use him as we as we see the front uh, the front three used now as real goal focused attacking um, entities or whether he was going to be trying to still use them as create wide creators. Yeah. No, I'm exactly the same to be honest. I'd, I'd love to see how things like that play out. Um, but I, I have my, my perspective on it is I, I think the signature of Salah set in place the four three three then moving forward. because um, I think if you look at Brandt, Gotze and Tajira, all three of those you could argue are potential number tens there. Or if not, Firmino maybe becomes the number 10. Or if not, again, uh, Coutinho becomes the number 10. Uh, so I, I, I do think Klopp had this idea in his mind to play a number 10. And I think the eventual signature of Salah, obviously he's playing on the right side, left foot, putting inside, Mane on the other side, and Firmino in the middle of the seating into midfield. Mm-hmm. I think that finally decided the makeup of of what Liverpool were going to be, really. Coutinho was still there at the time and I think Liverpool's tactical makeup was a little bit up in the air because we couldn't just leave a player as good as Coutinho on the bench so we still had to keep playing on that but once Coutinho left it is virtually 4-3-3 every single week now um, and I think it stems from Salah's signature over Julian Brandt so. but what, incessantly though I think once Brandt um, progressed a little bit further with Leverkusen and eventually now with Dortmund, he's got he moved to Dortmund eventually. Well it's interesting because there was a period where Liverpool, every single player Liverpool were linked with Dortmund also seemed to apparently want. Yeah. So and Klopp's obviously got a history with both clubs. Um I suppose yeah, I mean if you if you're going for the same players as Dortmund, that's probably a good sign because they generally have their heads screwed on. Yeah. Um but yeah, that was a weird period that. Yeah. Uh, what I was saying there. Oh yeah. So Julian uh, Brandt towards the end of his Leverkusen career, and at Dortmund now, he ended up becoming a bit more of a number eight, which I think is quite interesting. And I think if you look at Liverpool, before we signed Naby Keita, for example, or before we signed Chamberlain, we maybe did lack that number eight. They're a bit more of a creative type. Are you thinking he could have potentially been quite successful? Are you in, in converting to an, an eight at Liverpool? Yeah, possibly. Um, I'm not sure if he would have been good enough to start, especially at that age. Um, but I think just the prospect of us maybe signing him with a view to him just being a really versatile player who can play in attack and midfield. Mm. Yeah, he's he's probably one player that you could have said still would have could have been quite a success. I guess similar to maybe Chilwell, uh, maybe not to the extent that of the players now, but. I just think the the kind of makeup of his play in possession. I think he he was kind of even when Liverpool were interested, you know, he was playing under. Was he playing under Roger Schmidt? Uh, I think so, yeah. But I think yeah. Peter Bowles was the man who moved him to be an eight. I think. Oh, okay. Um, but I was just going to say he's had that kind of you know um, pressing, you know, transition type upbringing, or you know, um, bedding yeah. in kind of over the years. Um, the kind of stuff that you associate with Liverpool, I think he's he's been drilled on that kind of those aspects of the game, which um, kind of set you up well. You know, we talked about, for example, like the Red Bull clubs, Liverpool buying from them is quite good because it's a good kind of uh, nursery for them in terms of you know learning how to play. And I think he's probably had a similar, albeit at different places, a similar kind of football upbringing. Yeah, I mean, as I said, still only twenty three years old. Uh, he's six foot one as well. Um, so I, I do think I don't think he he fits the mold of a 
of a player who would you who you consider as a bullet dodged or a or a flop or anything like that. But I think considering the man that we seem to get instead was Mo Salah, I think you 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 almost have to go down the bullet dodge route. But yeah. it's not because of Brandt, it's because of Salah. Mm. Uh, yeah, Salah's just been so successful. Yeah, I mean, I've I've said in the past that even after we signed Salah, I remember saying on this show last year that Brandt is a player that we we could easily sign. Um, still, I'm not sure so much anymore. Um, but last year we I felt like we needed an additional body in between midfield and attack, and I think we've now got Minamino doing a little bit of that. Mm. Uh, Chamberlain doing a little bit of that, but. Yeah, Brandt is still a player that I'm, I'm I'm still a little bit of a fan of, and if you look at his creative numbers compared to other midfielders, he usually shows up quite well on like little scatter plots and things like that. Um, oh, for, oh. for midfielders who create. How much did he end up going for? I think it was a reasonable. I think it was a reasonable sum. You know, I'm going to check now. I don't think it was a lot, was it? It wasn't anything uh, kind, you know, uh, eye white material, I guess. I remember it being, and it makes me wonder if it was potentially, a, you know, a release clause. Oh, they signed him. I don't know if this was a, a, a joint deal or not, but the, sorry, hang on. They, they signed Julian Brandt and Torgan Hazard from Mönchengladbach for a combined 45 million. So I, th- I think Brandt was about 18, 20. Mm, which is a yeah. yeah, that's a mm. good deal for me, that one, like. Yeah, 20, 22.1 million you were signed for. Yeah, they've done well there. Saying yeah. that, I, I must admit, I haven't, and again, I haven't been keeping a close eye on how he's how he's, uh, how he's performed this season. Did You you said he's been doing quite well. Is that right? Um, he's been doing, yeah, I mean, just exactly, I suppose how you'd expect the first season to go for a player yeah. like that. been playing mm. at a variety of different positions. I'm not sure if he's fully established in terms of playing every single week, but um, you know, by no means a flop. Yeah, that's good. Only wanted the, the next midfielder that we that we targeted for a while called Peter Zielinski, a Polish international playing for Carlo uh, Ancelotti's old team actually, Napoli. Yeah. Uh, they, they they snatched them from us uh, from Empoli, but we were we were linked with them at the time. They only signed them for 14 million. But he was a player I, before we signed Wijnaldum, I think it was. We we were linked with him quite a lot. And I didn't yeah. know much about him at the time. I'm, I was just literally about to step in there and say, I'll be honest, I, um, I've i never really scouted or looked into him. Obviously, I'm aware of him because, you know, Napoli have been on the radar for a lot of, you know, for a while now because they're basically in Europe every year. Um, played against Liverpool as well, didn't he? Um but yeah, I've never, I've never looked at him beyond that. He's, you know, he's from what I've, I, I can gather, or from what I've heard, he seems fairly good on the ball, strong in defensive duels. You know, comfortable in in, in tight areas and so on. Um, kind of playing in that, you know, that Van Alden type type role, I guess. But yeah, I didn't even know that he'd been linked with the move to to Liverpool. Whenever it was, I, I don't remember that at all. I'll be honest. No, he was definitely linked. Yeah, for a, for a few months. Uh, and he spoke out himself and, and confirmed that Liverpool were interested in him. I think there was a pictures that surfaced as well on on a training ground and he's holding up a Liverpool kit. Um, I think it was put to him by a fan. I don't think there was anything official about it, but he was definitely linked. And, but I'm the same as you. I haven't, I haven't got a great deal to add on him. I think he's a good player. He would have been a good player for Liverpool. Uh, it's not a great deal wrong with him. But at the same time, if you don't sign him, you don't, I don't think you miss an awful lot either. Yeah, uh, it's not one that's got away, as the, no, as the saying no. goes. No, but at the same time, he's a player who, if he came into Liverpool now, he'd probably do a sound job. He's, he is now a starter for Napoli. He's playing virtually every single week, which he wasn't initially. Mm. Uh, but yeah, not a great deal to add on him, and I think we need to actually get a move on anyway. We've <laughs> uh, <laughs> still got three players to go. Uh, <laughs> I think we're around the 50-minute mark now. We'll so, be through these. <laughs> yeah, well, the next, the next two, I'm going to talk of talk about as one, because I think, I think Klopp for a while had identified um, 
the need for a for a number six and one that can pass the ball basically. One that is composed on the ball, doesn't really get phased by by once you be once you're pressured. So we were linked with uh, Mahmoud Dahoud and Jorginho in and around the same period. Um, we didn't get the hood because the summer we were apparently interested. Mönchengladbach sold Jere to Arsenal and they weren't willing to let another midfielder go. And Jorginho obviously ended up moving to Chelsea with Sarri. Um, and Liverpool later eventually ended up signing Fabinho, which again, I don't think we can complain about. But it's interesting that we were linked with these two players who I think are vaguely similar on the ball in terms of the spatial awareness, technical, you know, that sort of thing. But they haven't got a... I don't think either of them have got Fabinho's physicality and his height, yeah, especially. Yeah, yeah it hasn't really worked out for the Hood, has it? Um, since his move. I think he only started three Bundesliga games this year. Um, but yeah, Georgie, it is an interesting one for you, Josh. And I think... The, the data deceives us a little bit more there. I, I was going to say the exact same point as you. I, I, you know, we know Jorginho was good on the ball, but for me, he lacks a little bit of defensive robustness. But I noticed he had a better defensive dual success rate than Fabinho this year. And for me, I think that is the data lying to us a little bit. And that isn't me being biased, but just from watching the game, I think Jorginho is a lot more susceptible to being targeted than than say Fabinho is, um, and I wonder yeah. if maybe his his numbers just aren't as good because he you know he's often defending in like the transition and things and it's a little bit tougher. But um, I just wanted to flag that because I thought that was quite interesting actually. Yeah, I must agree. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I must say I do like plenty of aspects of Jorginho. Um, I, I think he's a real. I think he's a bit of a leader. I think he's a big talker. He's a, a little bit like a coach on the pitch at times. The way the way he's directing people and how intense he can come across and things like that. Knows how to press and all stuff like that. I think he's quite tactical. Not really phased and stuff. But um, I do agree in that he's more likely to be targeted. And I think he's. It's not really his fault, but I think he's he's inclined to be. He can be bullied, I think, uh, yeah, and I don't think yeah. you'd be able to do that to Fabinho. No, um, no. He's not quick at all, um, and he's not tall. So yeah, it's literally yeah. one of those kind of idealistic, um, I don't want to be judgmental here, but one of those maybe Spanish players from, from the past who's just very, very nice, um, very technical, but doesn't have a great deal else to him, which yeah, I think yeah. you need in a club team. I also think that he um, he probably needs a little bit more of a side building around him to get the best out of him. Whereas it feels like Fabinho can kind of just be put into that number six role and and thrive and do his job, you know, without any kind of adjustment needs to be made just to benefit him. Yeah, I think Fabinho. I'd argue that he's he's equally as slow almost, but I think he's got he's got physical physicality about him, which I think is important. Um, but yeah, I think Jorginho definitely ticked the technical box and he definitely ticked the character box, I think. I think Liverpool will have really liked his personality and stuff like that, but certain other areas he fell short. In terms of the hood, um, a year after Xhaka left, the hood was sold again to Dortmund for a fee of £10.8 million. Do you know who Mönchengladbach signed? In that same summer, to replace him, for exactly the same fee, ten point eight million. Oh, on, Dennis Zachariah. Oh, was it? Yeah. So those who listen to this podcast every week will know that I mentioned Zachariah a few weeks ago in reference to a Liverpool bid for him in the past, and b, um, I think he's a very similar Wijnaldum type player. If we was to lose Wijnaldum for whatever reason, so. It's just insistent when you look back at recruitment, how little things like that work. Mm. It's quite good that it was for the same price as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, so the final man that will that will will end on um, a bill for care. The enigma, I think, because no one no one knows still to this day really what happened. Um, people might claim you do, but I doubt, I doubt that's the case. To be honest, 
Yeah. Um, I think he went as far as actually doing an interview with LFC TV. Um, but it just never got released. The plug pulled very late on. Various theories related to why it didn't happen. Apparently his, his brothers and his agents or something were asking for more money. There's the possibility that Allison became available. We had to dedicate funds to Allison, so we pulled the Sakaya plug. You know, we found out about his knee, obviously. That was another widely reported thing. Mm. Who knows? But at the time, I did think it was a really good move. He was a, an output player for me. Lots of shots and assists and goals and all that sort of stuff in the cellar mould. Uh, and he was a real Liverpool-type sign at the time, I thought. But, you know, it fell through for whatever reason. Yeah, he uh, he was a really good player. He he impressed for me when um when I watched Leon a few times in the Europa League um that season before the move was meant to happen. Um, they were in a group with with Everton. Um, so I got to watch him live a couple of well, twice. Um, and we know you know that kind of when you get to see a full picture uh, of the field, you get to kind of really understand how, how good a player is and he just seemed so he just seemed at a, a level above others um yeah. you know he seemed he came across the leon's talisman for me yeah he was watching another team a smallest team's palace talisman what i felt like we were doing yeah yeah well that was it he but he, you know there was a lot i mean he scored a ton of goals created some of the goals as well but there's a lot more there is on, on top of that i think he's a, just a good all-around player as well he he looks really composed on the ball he uh he has an a, an eye for the pass he you know he executes passes brilliantly he's just you know really good with the ball his feet very technical he was just a really good player and i remember thinking this is this is some sign for liverpool this and at the yeah. time i was thinking you know this is kind of going to take liverpool to the next level Obviously, we've learned that they went a little bit of a different direction in any event. Um, but do you think that that was that was another attempt for Klopp to get his force to Yeah, that's what it's, that's it's weird, you know, when you look at this. Yeah. That's yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Obviously, they went a, they've gone a different direction, not really pursued this type of. I haven't really got a spot for that kind of player. If you if you wanted to play like a number ten type, um, but yeah. It is. It's. It's. It, it is interesting that they were look. It did feel like Klopp was looking for that kind of player, um. But then, over the course of the past, you know, season and a half or whatever, they, they, there's no need to. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I've got written here is I think according to the signs we've just covered, I have kind of a little bit of a theory that Klopp. It looks as though he's he's done his best to follow the theme of basically exactly how his Dortmund time went in terms of 4-2-3-1, at least one very technical passer in midfield, which it, at Dortmund it was Gundogan, mm. um, and less emphasis placed on on signing defenders, basically. I think, obviously, Robertson was signed, but that was for £8 million. Gomez was already at the club, Trent came through, and I think, obviously, Liverpool eventually got to the point where they signed Van Dijk and Allison. But up until that stage, it did feel like Klopp was really four two three one focused, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see if we do sign Timo Werner, for example, whether that shift finally happens, and that I I assume that would involve Firmino going as the ten, and Werner going as the nine, or you could do Firmino as the ten, Werner as the left. Mane as the right and Salah as the nine. You could do all kinds with it, I suppose, but it does feel as though Klopp's had this 4 2 3 one idea and the, or, or at least the option of doing it for a number of years now and still hasn't really got to that point. I've, I have been, I've been talking up. I think Liverpool are going to adapt the setup soon because, well, just because they've been kind of doing what they're doing now for a couple of years. And you, it gets you, failed, you, it? Yeah, exactly. You only have to look at the history of football to see that you know, whenever the side kind of steps forward and, and does something that's so successful, eventually teams will find a way to nullify that success, um, which is why you've, if you look at someone like Ferguson, he, he, he was always reinventing the side, which is why he was so successful for so long. And Klopp will obviously have to do something like that very soon with this Liverpool group. Yeah, yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Um, so if... 
I mean, looking at the Wolves players there that I've just mentioned, if if you could take one and give give Liverpool him now, who would you give him? Uh, on the spot, no, no, it's fine. I probably would be inclined to go between maybe Julian Brandt or Ben Chilwell. Uh, I know, you know, left back, for example, I know Robertson's great there. Um, but how old Robertson now? Um, 25, 26, something like that. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's still got plenty of years at the top. But, um, yeah, it's he, I think Chilwell will be a, a good player to have, certainly in the squad, being homegrown as well. So, if you put me on the spot, I'd probably go for them. Yeah, yeah. How about you? I'd probably be inclined to agree with you there, yeah. Um, I think every player's got vague suitabilities to, to, to what Liverpool want. Um, but some of them don't tick all the boxes and I think Liverpool like that to be the case I think Chilwell ticks virtually all of them and Bram ticks the large majority of them as well so I think I'll go along with that yeah uh, but we'll leave it there I think anyway that's good that um, wasn't it good that yeah yeah I mean it's obviously Liverpool have been linked with a wide variety of players there um, doesn't seem to be the case anymore and it, nowadays it's just you know we're going to have a quiet summer we're going to have a quiet summer we're going to have a quiet summer Um. Maybe this summer will be different, but considering the current climate, I doubt it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully the listeners appreciate that episode. Uh, any ideas for next week, we would appreciate and we'll take on board. But thanks for joining us, Dave. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you. And we will see you next week. Cheers. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.